Hi, everybody. My name is Alex Diaz, and this is Gray Area Spotlight. Today, we have Matsu, the label manager at Slow Roast Records. And he also just put out his first solo record a few weeks ago. How's it going, Matsu? Yes, I did. I'm all good. Thank you so much for having me. Shout out everybody who's uh, tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I always like to start out by asking, what was your musical first? What was your earliest musical memory? My earliest musical memory. Um, I have my earliest one would be uh, getting dragged to a piano lesson at the Russian Sunday school by my mom. And it was in one of the ballet studios of like the JCC, like the Jewish equivalent of the YMCA. Right. And it was this like really scary, mean old lady who like taught piano to everybody. And my first experience was like sitting there and like learning how to play, like, you know, you play a scale and whatnot. So that's my earliest like musical memory. Definitely a little like that's, a little bit of the immigrant pressure involved there, you know. <laughs> it's um, That sounds like a, a common story. Um, and I also got to wonder why would you stick it out if that was like the, the earliest thing that you remember? <laughs> um, for, I want to say for the first like half of my musical life experiences, a lot of it was like my mom who was really big into like, you know, making sure I played some sort of instrument. So I did like concert band and all that stuff throughout my life. Right. And I like, I never really enjoyed it, but I think I found certain things that I liked about it. Or I like, I had enough of a say, I was like, I want to play saxophone, but she's like, all right, you got to play something, but you're playing in that school band, whether you like it or not. So right. <laughs> I think I so found she, things along the way that made me yeah. stick So she at least gave you the opportunity to kind of like um, seek out your own path in music. Exactly. And maybe I'm being a little harsh, right? Like at the time, you know, I'm a kid, I'm like, yeah, like, I don't want to do this. I want to like play video games and hang out. But now when I look back at it, like I'm very thankful for the fact that she like pushed me into doing those things because here I am today, right? Absolutely. Well, how intense was it? Because, um, for me, I was in a boys choir from seven to 17. And it was like, it was a choice that I that I made for myself, but it was it was like a huge commitment. Um, totally. Like four hours, there was two hour, two hour rehearsals twice a week, and then concerts every weekend. So how big of a commitment was like music to you, like at a like kind of like a semi professional level, like early on? And how do you feel like that, like, kind of helped like, form a foundation in you of like hard work? Yeah, um, that's a great question. You have a great voice, by the way. So that, that adds up. Um, I think early on, like when you're a kid, right, you kind of sometimes you do things without really thinking why, right? Like after a certain number of years, uh, I think I played piano for like eight years. And then when I finally asked the like, why am I doing this? That work ethic of just having it be ingrained as a part of my life. Yeah. Um, it was just a natural part of it. So I think maybe without even realizing it, right? Like I, I quit piano, I was like, I want to play guitar instead. Um, but I still wanted to do something, right? So in, in one way or another, it was ingrained into me that I have to, I'm just going to play an instrument one way yeah. or another. It doesn't necessarily matter what it is. So I think that when I was finally old enough to have like that decision as to what I wanted to pursue, I was like, oh, I want to, I want to DJ. I want to make music. Um, it's just a part of who I was. It was part of my identity. Yeah. Um, so it made for a really natural transition. And now to this day, some of the fundamental things like, oh, like you have to practice and put time into doing those. Um, maybe some of those barriers of, you know, you know, I'm going to put time in yeah. aren't as difficult to overcome just because it's part of who I've been it's since I was like you. five or six. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sure you can attest to that as well. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And when was it that you decided on the turntable as your instrument? 
Um, so I think I was maybe, I was like 13. Um, all the bar mitzvahs that I went to, right? A little Jewish kid from the Midwest suburbs. <laughs> all the all the bar mitzvahs that I went to and bar mitzvahs all had a DJ. Um, and there was something about that energy of like, oh, like this guy's playing the music. I think around then, like I was deep into Pirate Bay and I was like, you know, downloading like Jay-Z discographies and like I just discovered Kanye. So I'm yeah. like, oh, like I have it all figured out. I know music. I could play this party better than this guy. Um, <laughs> Don't we so I think, think that. Exactly, exactly. Even to this day, I still, right. <laughs> we all have that is. Um, and then I think I was, you know, I'm like an internet kid. I'm part of that generation. I'm 24 yeah. now. So when I was, when I was that age, like being on YouTube, that was a big source of discovery for me, uh, for music and just culture in general, being right. from the Midwest. Um, so I discovered, uh, if you remember around that time, like 2012, 2013, Native Instruments was doing a lot of dope videos with like, uh, Craze, Rafiq, uh, Ian Golden yeah. from DJ Tech Tools. Yes. Um, and through that, I discovered guys like DJ Ravine, uh, the DMCs, IDA, all that. And the turntable and scratching and the competitive aspect, um, that was like the one unifying thing through all of that. I was like, I want to learn how to scratch. The party thing was like, cool. But I mean, I was like 13, 14, right? Like you don't really understand what that means to go to a party. Right. Um, so for me, I was like, I'm competitive. I want to be the best at scratching. Like, I want to be so good that everybody's like, that guy's good at scratching. So that's when the turntable just became the instrument of choice. Hundred percent. And you, you really entered like turntablism at this, at this inflection point in in the in the in the, in the art because I feel like before that there wasn't a lot of like finger drumming involved. There wasn't a lot of like mm -hmm. this like incredible this incredible knowledge of like sampling was being used, but it was really being used in like the way that it was used for the 30 years before that. So how yeah. does it feel to be kind of like part of this new generation of turntablists who really like in like brought the genre into the 20 into the 21st century? Like that's that was like a huge it was a huge difference from like the way turntablism was done before before then to now. Like it's just so completely different. Yeah, a hundred percent. For me, I think that I was just getting into it at the point where I didn't see it as new, right? Like I saw drum machine videos and that felt futuristic, but it felt, it was like, this is the now, this is how it now. is. These guys yeah. are already really good at it. So this is, must be how it's been for a while. Right. And then when I discovered DMCs and, and stuff where people are playing on vinyl and the mixers are just volume EQ and, and a crossfader, um, that at the, even at that age, it, it still felt, a little bit dated and a little bit yeah. older. So it was definitely like a natural introduction to me. Like my first setup, like I was using, you know, like the DJ algorithm app on yes. like the Mac where you can like scratch and hold yes. shift. Yeah. Yes. On, the, on the trackpad. So like, <laughs> that was my first introduction to like, okay, these are two records. Having a controller was my first ever like piece of equipment that was tactile. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I press the button. The computer is the brain, but the computer is always the brain for me and everything that I do. Right. Um, so being a part of that generation is definitely like a defining piece of who I am. Like I, I still pay homage and I'm so heavily inspired and influenced by the guys that came before that. Um, but it definitely feels, uh, I'm trying to look for the right word for it. I feel like I'm a part, it's a part of who I am. It used to be all the sync button, new technology, like all that crap that doesn't mean anything. And now it's just like, okay, cool. Like I'm a part of this generation, these are the tools, these are the, this is the equipment that makes me who I am. So 
it's just a part of what, yeah, it, it's just natural. It's just what I do. Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, let's anybody who still has that debate about the sync button or technology is, is <laughs> yeah. just an old, it's just an old head. Cause I mean, even Jeff came out and said, he was like, look, it's just a tool. And if, if you know how to use it, nobody's saying, no, you don't have to prove to anybody that you know how to match, match a beat. Like yep. if, if you're on stage, you probably know how to match a beat. So there's, who cares what you're doing? As long as what's com coming out of the fucking the sound system sounds good. Exactly. I love that clip. I know the exact clip that you're talking about. I mean, yeah, man, like things like that where people try to find a reason to gatekeep or keep other people down or put other people out of, you know, what they consider to be authentic or legitimate. Yeah. Um, for one, the only people that do that are the people who are like upset that they're not able to keep up with the pace of what the new people are doing. I've never seen like, I, maybe, I think early on when I was first getting into it, I was very like, yeah, like real DJing, like, you know, I don't use a sync button. And then it, as soon as I wised up to like, oh, like I want to be a part of this. This is what people do. I'm not going to get booked over the other guy because I don't use sync or because I don't use this new piece of technology. It has nothing to do with it. No. Average listener doesn't care. Actually, not even the average listener. Almost all listeners Nobody. don't care what's person. going on on the other side. So <laughs> use the gear. Do something dope. That's all that matters. 100%. Man. Yeah. So I want to get into like you breaking into competitions because I feel like that's really interesting. Like you you hit some some high notes bef like at a really young age. I mean, you're still in your 20s and you were you were a Red Bull three style champion and you were a finalist with uh, with with um, with a tracks a tracks thing. Like, yeah, how does it feel to have like hit all those marks so early on? And like, what made you want to be a competition DJ as opposed to just rocking it on stages in front of a crowd for like parties? Yeah, totally. Um Early on, I, I'm competitive. It's just a part of my personality. Yeah. Um, and I was really intrigued by the idea of like, okay, you win this thing. Like, you're the guy. Yeah. You won. Like, you're the best one of that group and nobody can say shit to you. Like, I, that's what's always intrigued me about hip hop, about battling, right? Like, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your race, your gender, anything. Like, if you go up there and you do the dopest shit, you win. That's it. Yeah. And battling really inspired me in that sense and, and seeing guys like craze and so many others who are just undeniably the best yeah. that's what i wanted i was like i want to be undeniable in what i do and i think at a young age too when you don't really understand like music and the whole business of everything like you look for these absolutes at least i did i was like okay if yeah. i win this thing then that's it like nobody can i'm gonna get booked like right so Early on, I think I had a misconception as like, that's my career ticket to yeah. then play those parties. I was still throughout doing all of those. Like I was playing really regularly when I was like in high school and college. Yeah. Like I was trying to play out two, three, four nights a week at you know clubs, bars, whatever. Um, so, but those were the thing that I thought would take me to the next level. And I think I, it was a little bit misplaced, right? Cause I was like, if I win this thing, then everybody will thing. just know that I'm the best. Right. Um, and then I realized after the fact that yes, it was like a, definitely a boost um, for my career, but it wasn't this like, okay, now I'm getting booked at ultra. Like it was like, no, you won this thing. It's still kind of niche. It's still within its own world, but you have the respect of your peers, um, which is a huge part of it to me is, is being respected by the people that I respect and I look yeah. up to. But, um, but the other you. 
Exactly. But my peers aren't booking me. Exactly. And it, but so I thought about it and I was like, the thing that I actually gained from it the most was the time that I put in, like the yeah. amount of like the amount, I, I got so much better in the three months that I spent preparing for the three style finals than I did for like two years before that. Same oh, thing with the Goldies. Like yeah. it just turned me in. Like I was a senior in college when I got into the Goldies and I went to my professors and I was like, I'm not coming to class for the next two months. I don't want to take this class again. I'll do some of the homework, but like you can pass me or you'll see me next semester. I don't care. This is my priority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all cool with it, but yeah, man, I, um, I'm happy to have been a part of those. I think right now, at least for the last year and a half, like battling has just like been not at all a priority for me. Like writing music is, is my new focus. I feel like I proved what I needed to prove to myself and to my peers in that space. Yeah. Um, and at, at a young age too, but who knows, right? I still have time. Like a lot of these guys have won who are uh, later in their twenties or their thirties. So who knows? Maybe I'll I'll make a return when those things come back. For sure. And let's let's talk about like this new direction too, because the hip hop culture is quite a bit different than than dance culture in terms of like what's expected of an artist. I feel like yeah. hip hop culture, everything is about keeping it real, and dance culture, um, you know, it's about keeping it fun and yeah and being you know keeping things lively so where did that like transition happen have you always listened to dance music or how did you fall in love with dance music and then decide that that was going to be your new thing yeah so i always walked that like line i i love dance music from almost the get-go like when i discovered hip-hop i discovered like happy hardcore and hard style at the same time so like, yeah, exactly. So like Ravine and uh, I'm forgetting his name. Is it Cox or uh, one of his buddies? They used to play like back-to-back -back sets. Like I was yeah. watching all of them play and I was like, this is hip hop styles of DJing. Like there's an MC at these raves. They're yeah. playing on records. They're scratching, but they're doing it at like 170 BPM. And I thought that was badass. Yeah, so yeah. I also like those things crossed over here in the U.S., when that like 2015 trap wave of like Bauer, Arl Grime, is it 2015? Fostradamus, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's when you so start seeing DJs using Serato on stage at, at dance music shows. Exactly, exactly. So I was in high school at the time. So like, I'm very impressionable at that age, right? So like, to me, that was another place where hip hop and electronic music found this kind of an intersection. Yeah. Um, and I think just over time, like my taste grew a lot. Like I love all dance music and Solaris puts out a super wide variety of dance music and seeing guys again, like craze who were hip hop DJs playing drum and bass trap, like all this other stuff that found this blend. It felt, it didn't feel like a weird difference to me. It felt like they were one and the same. And in the club too, I was hearing like, okay, they're playing Drake records or Boosie or whatever, but they're also playing like these trap edit kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so my love for house music was kind of just like another piece of that puzzle. Like I really enjoyed house music as another genre. Um, but the big turning point for me was I saw um, Amine Edge and Dance at Heart in Miami 2017 um, at like four o'clock in the morning. It was my first time like being in a house club yeah. super late. Um, quite a few drinks and I was like holy shit I have never wanted 
high hat to come back in more than I have in this moment. Like, I'm just waiting for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I, love I was that. like, yes, we're all here. We're waiting for this high hat and this snare to come back. And that's all I can think about right now. And that energy was like, I, that shit really, really struck a chord with me. And ever since then, I've like really put a lot of time and energy into like understanding the genre, even more than just as a fan, but as somebody who wants to contribute and, and be a part of it. I love that. I love that you you realize that intersection of hip hop and 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 house and house music because for a long time they were at odds with each other but they both started from the exact same place yeah and it's beautiful to see that 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 divide is no longer there that all of electronic music cuz hip hop's electronic music too is all seen as like one thing but also we recognize the diversity of it within that within that realm yeah I, I was just at Hardfest and Lil Durk and Future were two of the headliners on the same stage that like Born Dirty and like Snake and Mala played at. That's and beautiful. People, that's some, that's, which is dope. <laughs> it is. And you know, that's something that I, I, I love about Hard, like as a brand, is that they've always done that. They've always like, and that's like old school stuff too, because when I first started going to parties like in the late 90s, there was always a hip hop room. And yep. the hip hop room and the drum and bass room are usually the same one. So they got they got a lot of crossover. So it's just nice to see that like reflected that history reflected on the main stage now. And it's reflected in the music, too. I mean, we're hearing it all over the radio now. Like house music is mainstream. It is now. And, you know, yeah. and hip -hop Losing it was one of the biggest records in the last couple of years. Period. It won, right? it won a Grammy, right? <laughs> it won a Grammy. It won a fucking Grammy. Big so, ups, Chris um, Lee. Yeah, right. <laughs> I <love> that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. We know what happens. Um, yeah, yeah. So, how did you end up hooking up with Slow Rosa, becoming a label manager? I mean, I imagine you met Craze through turntablism, but how did you like become a curator for the label? Yeah. Um. So, Craze and I have like a funny background story. We just kind of kept overlapping in different places, like once or twice a year. Um, I mean, I, admittedly, like I was a super fan, right? I was like 15. I was yeah. like, turntablism is everything, right? The new slaves routine. I was like, this is the fucking pinnacle of this art form. And I would do shit like tweet at him and, you know, like, oh my God. And every now and then he gives me a little, you know, prayer emoji or like, thanks. And I'm like, right. yes, oh my God, he knows I responded. <laughs> yeah, he responded. Um, so when I was a freshman, I went to Indiana University. Um, there's like a small club, uh, one of the small clubs on campus or right, right off of campus, uh, him and 12th planet were playing a show there and they did like some sort of mix competition, classic, like this was the time of like vote for my mix and I get to yeah. open for these guys. And like, so I won, right. Like, you know, I knocking on doors in the dorm room, like, Hey guys, like I'm the kid that makes all the noise, uh, all the time, but like it mean the world to me if you voted for me and retweet and all that shit. So, uh, I won the contest and I got to open for him. I think I was like, I might've been like 19 at the time. Like should not have won, was not supposed to be in the club. Definitely <laughs> was like drinking with him. I like gave him a record. I was like chatting his ear off. I was probably super annoying. I think we've talked about it. He was like, yeah, you were really annoying. But like, you brought me a record and that was cool. <laughs> um, and we kept bumping into each other over the next few years. I ended up being the uh, concert director for my university. And we did like a big welcome week show every year. So I booked him for a show with Arl Grime and Post Malone. Uh, I kept bumping in. I, Ended up at places that he was at, just a lot of like overlap. I was in the Goldie Awards, which he was a judge for. So we overlapped there. Right. Um, I graduated from IU and I moved here to New York to work for Paradigm, uh, the, which is now Wasserman Music. And yeah, Craze was, yeah, Craze was signed to them at the time. 
Um, pretty quickly after I got here, I realized that the agency route like was not for me. I wanted to be an artist and uh, the agency thing was just not my vibe. Um, so I got into, no, I called him the day before I was going to quit. And he was like, do you want to come work on slow roast with me? And I was like, I will literally go and quit tomorrow. Um, and at the time, Slow Roast had been dormant for a few years. He'd been really focused on like his personal career and like right. label really wasn't putting out music. Um, the next morning on my way on the subway to work to go and quit, I got the email from Red Bull that I got into the National Three Style. So everything comes together yeah. in one way or another, right? So I quit. I helped restart Slow Roast and we've been fast friends and collaborators ever since. Yeah, it's been a fun uh, year and a half, two years now. That's such a beautiful story. That's such like, Thanks. I mean, also taking that leap of faith, like deciding that like you were in the music industry and on the business side of things and deciding that like, hey, this isn't what I want to do, but I still want to do this thing. And you were just like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And it all works out. Um, it's like a common thing that I keep hearing from artists, like especially artists that are performing at their highest level. There's like that, mm. that faith in themselves and that level of risk and that courage that it takes to be like, I'm just going to kind of go for my dreams. I mean, let's be honest, all of us in the music industry that actually get paid to do this, we're all blessed to get paid anything to do this. Yeah. So where does that, where does that courage come from for you? That's a great question. And thank you, by the way. Um, I also, I look back on it now that I can like, everything has kind of worked out at the time I was, I was terrified and like trying to tell my parents, it's like, Hey, I know I just moved out here and I'm like already kind of not making that much money at all, but I'm going to quit and DJ full time. I also go work for this label that's in Miami, but I'm going to stay in New York. They're like, we have no idea what any of this means, but you sound like you really want to do it. Um, where does that courage come from? Um, without sounding overly confident, I think that I've always tried to have like a strong faith in my own abilities. And I've been, uh, blessed with a lot of people in my family who've supported me and encouraged me to do those things. Um, my mom, shout out mom, always got to shout out mom, uh, has always encouraged me to take those kinds of risks. Um, my family, both my mom and my dad are immigrants. I'm the first generation American. And both of them took massive risks uh, and courage to leave their countries. My mom is from Russia. My dad is from Japan. Um, so that like immigrant mentality of leaving somewhere and taking the risk and believing in yourself and also this ideal, whether that's the American dream or your own career or whatever it is, is kind of like ingrained in you from day one. I hear it yeah. every family gathering. There's always the retelling of like, when we left Russia, why do we do it? And all this. So, um, I think it's just a part of who I am and a part of my upbringing is to have that faith and just kind of say, fuck it and go for it. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't. Well, I'll figure it out. <laughs> There's something, it, it, everything will be fine anyways, right? It's meant to be or, or something like that, right? Absolutely. Um, so we're getting close to the end. So I just have like two more sure. things for you. The, that my, my next to last question before, before I go into the next thing is going to be, and I ask this of everybody, what excites you about the future of dance music? What excites me about the future of dance music? Um, the future of dance music is in the amazing young talent that is coming into this world, right? Like all the other stuff, everything that exists around this only exists because people make dope shit. Um, so guys, uh, I, there's a lot of people that, that really inspire me. Uh, more Kismet is one of them. Oh Absolutely God, yes. incredible. So good. There's, yeah. there's so much amazing young talent that I know that I'm 
relatively young, but I see young talent like more kismet, and I'm like, shit, I need to step my game up because because the next generation is they're, coming. They're inc- they're incredible. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They so, they like really encapsulate everything that I love about music. Yep. Yep. So I'm excited. I'm just excited for more dope music, right? Like at the end of the day, if I wasn't making any money doing this and this was just a hobby and I was just a fan, um, I would be a fan because people would make dope stuff. Like there's really not any like, oh, I can't wait for this one big festival that has like this new crazy sound system or like it's in this location. Like all that shit is fun. Parties are cool. But if it's just me listening to tunes at the end of the day, like I want to be inspired by who make dope stuff. So big ups more kismet and everybody else is doing just amazing things. Beautifully said. And before before we before we leave, I'm gonna do this thing. We do we're doing a speed round. It's okay. a series of series of uh, quick questions. Don't think about them too much. I have Ready. not told you what these questions are ahead of time, so everybody knows. This is a yep. complete surprise. So give me one second and we will start. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Big coffee. Biggie or Tupac? Uh, Biggie. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> That's my answer, too. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Ramen or cat, pho? No. Ramen. I'm Japanese. Obviously. I threw that one in there for the obvious answer. <laughs> but I love pho. Yes. Pizza or sandwiches? Pizza. New York, baby. Come on. There we go. Intimate club or festival? Club. Club. Always club. Rave or club? Oof. Uh, uh club. club. All right. Snow or beach? Beach. Lake or ocean? Ocean. If you could have one superpower, would you choose flight or invisibility? Uh, flight. Invisibility is kind of creepy. I know, a little creepy. Flight. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Analog or digital? Uh, digital. House mm-hmm. or techno? House. Would you rather have a toaster for an arm or be followed around by a small lamb for the rest of your life? A small lamb? A small lamb, yes. Like the animal? Yes, like the animal. Uh, the lamb. Okay. Yeah, the lamb. <laughs> Shit, that one, I was like, maybe, I don't know. Lamb. <laughs> drum and bass or trap? Uh, drum and bass right now. Trap, maybe last year. But drum and bass right now for me. Good answer. Drum and bass is... Is, is killing. Drum bass is it. Drum bass is in. Yeah. Um, pop or hip hop? Hip hop. Obvious. Favorite color? <laughs> uh, 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 black's lame. Uh, uh, but I like black. Uh, blue. Let's do blue. Black's not a real color. Blue. All right. Um, Carl Cox or Chris Lake? Uh, man. Oh, that's tough. I know. Uh, Chris Lake for me right now. Chris Lake. All right. right Flip flops or shoes? shoes pineapple on pizza i'm allergic to pineapple <gasps> really i am that is, I, I you're like the second person i have known that is allergic to to, to pineapple That's... pineapple and kiwis and kiwis interesting there's like some weird there's like some sort of enzyme in them that like fucks me up but i will still eat it i will just suffer a little bit afterwards so pineapple is like... okay on pizza all right <laughs> But you will eat it. You, just... you asked me for like lightning round. I'm like, here's my three-page dissertation on why I have oh, my No, no, I love this. Um, all right. So finish this sentence. Before I die, I want to. Uh, try every possible food in the world that I can. 
I love that answer. American version, American version of The Office or British? Um, British, just because the American ones played out. Interesting answer. Favorite character? Uh, I don't have one. I don't have one. I, All right. I haven't watched The Office in a while. I'm like, uh, right. uh, yeah, yeah. Steve Carell, I guess. Steve but. Carell. All right. And then last question. Guilty pleasure TV show. Ooh, um, 90 Day Fiance. Ugh, I, feel, I feel embarrassed about that one. Don't, don't feel bad. I watched the, fir- the first episode I've ever seen of that on an airplane recently. And I was like, this is fascinating. These people it's are- It's so good. Yes. My girlfriend got me into it and we watched a lot of it over COVID times. And now I'm like, oh, want to watch 90 Day. It's good shit, man. It's good shit. It, it really is. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's terrible, but it is, it is quite awesome. I, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Big ups oh. to uh, Oswelu. That's my guy. That's my favorite. Yes. I don't know if you remember Oswelu. I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Well, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me today. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. And this has been fun. Thank you. I had a blast. I hope, uh, I hope my answers sufficed. I had a lot of fun. You asked some good questions. And uh, I've, been try- I've been quietly studying your shirt the whole time. I want one. Oh, so this is from from a local spot. I, I live in Oakland. Um, oh, dope! And San Francisco has a has like a, a streetwear store called True, and they mm, just okay. and they just opened one in Oakland. But if you're ever in San Francisco and they actually have it out online, you should definitely check it out. Like all of their stuff is dope. They have dope hats, dope T-shirts, like super exclusive designs. And awesome. Yeah. So check that out. True. It's a fire team. I want one. Thank you. My son <laughs> got there. this. My eight-year-old son picked this out for me for my birthday. Wow. He's a keeper. He is a keeper. (laughs) I I think we'll keep him. (laughs) I love it. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Bye.